Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Without further ado, um, I brought this little bell. If you're here last week, you got to hear my duck call, so I'm kind of on a roll with sound effects, so I thought I'd just bring this here. Isn't that great? Don't you wish you had one of these spiritually? Ah, see, we'll tie it in. That like when someone's talking and you're not listening, pay attention. Or when the pastor's preaching and you're nodding, nodding off, this is connected to some electrical wires under your chair. Woo! You know, I think we ought to try to get, get that. What do you think? Or you're about to cut somebody off and interject your point of view before you fully hear theirs. Or you're about to get angry and your anger is starting to rise and all of a sudden when it hits a certain temperature, a bell goes off. I have prayed that the Holy Spirit would ring the bell in my life. And I usually hear him whisper and say, I'll help you, but it's up to you to put the boundaries up. It's up to you to put the filter on. It's up to you to pay attention to my word. In James uh, chapter 1, 19, 20, and 22, we find these words. Would, would you read them with me? My brothers and sisters, take note of this. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Take note of this. Pay attention to this. Now, let me give you a little, just a little bit of background. James is one of the first New Testament books that was written. It's before the Gospels. It's before the book of Acts, as wonderful as that is, before the, the, the book of Romans. So this is one of the early books, and he's saying, take, take note of this. Now remember, they didn't have printing presses, they didn't have smartphones, Bible apps, or the Bible online. Someone came and actually read to them in a room, in a meeting place, these words. So James is saying, uh, you Jewish believers who are scattered around, scattered abroad. Remember, they believed that the kingdom of God would come, that God's peace would come to them when God united them, that they were all together. But now they're scattered abroad. They're living in persecution. And he comes to them and says, I want you to take note of this. And what does he say? Everyone should be quick to, let's read the rest, listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Do not merely, listen to the words so you deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now today, there's two paths that we can take in this passage. One path is the context that we read there, do not deceive yourselves, don't merely listen to the word, be hearers, but be doers also. So when he says, be, be quick to listen, be ready to listen, have your system be alert to the word of God and then do what it says, there were actually people rising up and interrupting. When he says, um, don't get angry, Someone says, yeah, yeah, but you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> if, if James wrote that, James doesn't know that I live next to 
to John. And John is just a mean old guy. And, and so I'm quick to get angry with John. No, he would bark up. And here's, here's what James is saying. Don't you dare debate with the word of God. Listen to it. Meditate on it. Let it speak to your soul before you debate or have some kind of situational ethic and say, I, that applies to everyone but not me. And notice, Paul, if you go back to the last slide, it simply says that we, every one of us, every, everyone. So when you look up everyone in the Greek dictionary, the real expensive dictionary, you know what it says? Everyone. There's no exception. So when the reader is reading what James wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And isn't that hard? Come on. Now, the, the benefit of being in a book of the Bible is you can't skip the hard stuff. You have to address it. As we said a few weeks ago, consider it pure joy when you get into trials and difficulties and because God's producing something in you, perseverance, that you don't lack anything. And then we, we said last week, if you were here, I, I brought my ducks. Remember, I had the ducks going. And, and one thing that we recognize, that temptation comes, and temptation brings us to a place of sin if we're not careful because we're drawn away by the evil desires that reside inside of us. And I took the words of Jesus and used them with the book of James where Jesus said, whatever is in your heart will come out of your heart eventually. If you're angry and mean, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out in your actions. And, you know, I'd love to skip this part of the scripture, but we're not. We're going to camp here for a few moments today. Why is it so hard to pay attention anymore? Well, we live in information overload, don't we? You ever watch the news, and while you're watching the news to the right side of your screen is some more news, and to the bottom of the screen is scrolling news. And the person reading the teleprompter, there's another little prompter on the side. I mean, we just have news coming at us all the time. And you pretty much, if you have any kind of, of smartphone, you pretty much can get updates on emergency updates, which is really good to do. You can get updates from CNN, from Fox. You can get updates on the latest on uh, you know, soccer, world soccer, world cup. That's important. You can get the latest on the Dodgers. You can get the latest on the Kardashians. You can get the, the latest on fashion. You can get the latest on, and you name the star, you can actually plug in in Google, which I have done, alerts for different people. So anytime my dear friend Wayne Cadero is written about or posts something online, I get an alert. It's called the Wayne Cadero alert. It's pretty cool. I have an alert on Lompoc Foursquare, so anytime somebody writes about us or covers an event that we serve at in our community uh, or lists us anywhere, boom, boom, it, it, it pops up and, you know, you put your own name in there and write an article about yourself and you'll see it alert you that the <laughs> article got online, blogs or Facebook or Instagram. Or, I mean, it's just crazy. You know there is uh, 236 billion, 236 billion with a B, emails sent every day. 2.4 million emails are sent every second. Each day, 5,000 books are published. Each day. And this year, the number of text messages, are you ready, will exceed 
8.3 trillion with a T. That's over 6 billion text messages every day in the United States alone. 6 billion. Are you getting all of those? Hmm. If we take the year Christ was born as a starting point, it took 1,500 years for all knowledge in the world to double. The next doubling only took 250 years. It doubled again in 150 years. And by the end of World War II, knowledge doubled every 25 years. Today, knowledge is doubling every 12 months. We can't keep up. If you happen to read the New York Times for one week, you will have received more information than a person living in the 1800s did in their entire lifetime. We've got information coming at us at an alarming rate, and they're actually telling us now that we're developing as a culture a new kind of ADD. It's not something that we have chemically. It's not some, some mental or medical imbalance. It's just the way our systems are wired that, that some of you have already tuned out. Wait a minute. Come back. Come back now, right? You've already tuned out 11 times since I started this message. Some of you going, 11? Actually, you didn't hear me say that. Yeah. So Bob Morehouse wrote an essay called The Paradox of Our Time. I found it fascinating. He said, it's no wonder that we're easily distracted with all the information coming at us and all the demands that we have. He said, we look without seeing. We listen without hearing. We speak without understanding. We're wired up. We're tuned up. We're hyper-caffeinated as a generation. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to our life, but not life to our years. We've conquered outer space, but can't conquer our inner space. We've done larger things, but not deeper things. The engine of human progress hums right along. We send men to the moon, satellites into orbit, explorations to Mars, radio waves to the stars, but the inner space is another matter. We're not even close to conquering that. Human heart seems more unruly than ever. Hmm. So in your notes, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that the real battles of life are inside, not outside. The greatest challenges that we face are the person in the mirror. That, that's why uh, James tells us, who would go to the mirror and look at themselves and walk away and forget that they actually needed to change? Who would come to the Word of God and, and, and recognize that, that they didn't need to change their ways or they didn't need to have their faith become works? Remember in James 2.17, he's going to tell us that faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So here's what Morehouse said. We look without seeing. We listen without hearing. And we speak without understanding. Have you found this to be true? I have. I found it true in our own community and our own county and our own country. That when someone wants to speak an opposing view, 
If you disagree with them, it's because you're wrong or you're uneducated or you don't know what they know. Now, I really enjoy people that will come with a different viewpoint. Different understanding of things. We, we learn from an exchange of ideas and ideals and even mores. We, we learn from each other. And it's really wrong. I think it's wrong. This is my opinion now that it's wrong when we just say, oh, you disagree with me, so I'm not going to listen. Na, 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 na. Or people get really upset when you don't receive or you don't believe or you don't agree with their viewpoints. We look without seeing. We listen without hearing. We speak without understanding. And that's why in James 1, 19 and 20, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be, let's read it again, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then he tells us why. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to listen to the things that God would say to you. Be quick to hear his word and how it will change your life. So number one, listen more. Listen more. Now, is anybody already like feeling challenged? Listen more? Come on. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen more. Huh? Listen more. Uh, in this context, he's saying, listen to the word of God. Let the words of God matter more than anything else. Why? Because wisdom begins when we listen more and talk less. This is our relationship with God. Wisdom begins when we listen more and talk less. This is our relationship with, with, with those that are closest to us. If we're married, with our spouse, with our kids, if we have kids, with our grandkids, with our coworkers. We listen more. Just in your notes somewhere, write Proverbs 8, because Proverbs 8 is an incredible passage that talks about wisdom calling to us and how we're supposed to garner wisdom. No one, in your notes, no one gets wisdom by chance. I've tried before when I was in college, I used to sleep with the textbook under the pillow. <laughs> Hope that the process of osmosis would happen, right? But wisdom is something we have to lean in for. We have to do our best to, to listen to. Wisdom says, if you seek me, you will find me. So that's why James says, hey, listen, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. It's not a checkbox, but it's something that we need to do. So uh, a little over a year and a half ago, I stood here and said, hey, what does God want you to do? It was a brand new year and so what does God want you to do? Does he want you to go back to school? Does he want you to, to, to you know, start working out? Does he want you to learn how to play an instrument? I mean, what, what does God want you to do? And, and I said to this church, I said, I'm going to go take a class. And I want to take a class on coaching. Now, not coaching football or, or swimming or baseball, but being a life coach. And so I... I Went to uh, Seattle, Washington, flew up there, and uh, in five days, we had 60 hours of intensive classroom work. So during the day, we were in class. At night, we were actually practicing what we were learning, and it was about coaching. 
how to ask the right questions. And part of the reason I went was I wanted to learn how to be a better listener because as you know, I'm a big talker. So I was trying to learn how to be a better listener. And I was also trying to learn what kind of questions I could ask people that I minister to, that I lead on a staff. I, I actually lead a, a cohort of nine pastors and, and I get with them. I'm on the board of trustees for a college and I'm a chaplain. So I'm just trying to say, how can I add value? I'm an honorary commander on the base. So when I'm with people, what kind of questions could I ask that would help them be better? And so I did this 60-hour thing and then we had 20 hours online. We were on, on a Zoom and go to meeting and we were looking at each other's faces from all over the, the country. And in one place we had a guy from South America in our group and we had to do work together. And then I had to do 100 hours of pro bono coaching. And 20 of those hours had to be recorded with permission of the person I was coaching. And then it got played online and everybody got to pick at my coaching. I thought, wow. One of the guys in my group is a coach for Microsoft Corporation, and he was there sharpening his skills. He was a part of my class, and he'd actually coached Bill Gates. He was critiquing my coaching. Are you getting this now? Huh? And so I was starting to learn more, and then, and then I had to take a test. It was a three-hour test. You were timed. There was 245 questions. You had to get it done in three hours, or you failed. And I don't know if you're like me, because like, like some of the multiple choices, I'm going, well, is that the right answer? And the clock is in the corner, and I, I just better hurry up and, and, and get it done. So you had to get 80 or better to pass. Whoa, dude, could you go like maybe 60 or better to pass? And, you know, 80 to better to pass. So I just want, you know, and, and, and you can hold your applause, please. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but I passed, and I got fully certified by the International Coaching Federation. It's a, it's a top group that does coaching and, and around the world, and, and I was glad to do that. And I thought to myself, Lord, help me to be a better listener and to ask better questions and not to interrupt. And you might say, well, how's it really working? Well, ask my wife. She'll be honest with you and tell you, I need the bell. <laughs> yeah. Ask my staff. They'll tell you, he needs the bell. Ask some of the police officers I ride with, he needs the bell. It's true. I need the bell. But at least I'm making steps towards being a better listener. And in my spiritual life, I'm making steps towards being a better doer of the word, not just a hearer. Think about all the Bible we already know. And that God would call us to say, hey, why don't you take everything you've already heard and just go live it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, just those two is like enough to last us a lifetime. But you know what I found out, and this is true, that listening is humility. Listening is not just flattery. Listening actually shows somebody you care about them. Listening to God is actually surrender and, and submission. Lord, I want you to speak into my life. Where do we learn this? We learn it from Jesus. Jesus and John uh, 1249 says, for I do not speak in my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have, what? Spoken. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I was listening to God. I had my ear in tune to God and I was just saying what the Lord was saying. Speaking of coaching, coaching asks questions. 
Mentoring is when you tell somebody what they need to do. Coaching is drawing it out. Like some great coaches, they don't get on the field and play the game. They just help the person play it better than they could without the coach. They, 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 they give a little bit of direction, a little guidance, but they're also drawing out the best from the player themselves. So, so catch this. Jesus asked a lot of questions while he was here on the planet. And I'm going to ask you to uh, take a guess. Matter of fact, look at some of your neighbors around you and tell them, how many questions do you believe Jesus asked? Somebody actually counted all the questions he asked in the Bible. And uh, so turn to somebody and say, I believe he asked this many questions. Just do it, do it quickly. Let's find out who's going to be the winner. Okay. All right. Some of you need the bell. You're going too long. Okay. All right. All right. How many, how many, and this is, this is not you now, it's the person you told it to, how many told you uh, uh, 50 questions? 100? 100? 100? 100? Anybody go 200? 200? 210, 220, 275? Anybody say 300 questions? Come on. Okay, the correct answer is 307. Did anybody say 307? Okay, good. The first, the first person, uh, first service we had 307, and that was, uh, they got a trip to Guadalupe, so, <laughs> which is really nice. Boy, they've been re renovating Guadalupe and some new restaurant, new homes over there. It's really nice. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, yeah, you got to get there on your own, but anyway, we win the trip. So... Of the 307 questions that Jesus asked, how many of those questions did he actually answer? And the answer is three. So he was asking questions for the benefit of the listener and so he could hear the answers. Jesus leaned into people and said, I want to learn from you. He posed questions all the time. I wrote some questions down in my notes, and they're on the screen. Questions I've been trying to ask people lately so I could listen better. This, this first one's tough. How's your heart? And people go, well, let me check my beats per minute. That's not what I'm talking about, beats per minute. But see, we are a superficial culture. We, we don't go very deep with people. So to ask somebody, how's your heart? Or how about this one? How are you really doing? I asked somebody just this week, I said, how are you doing? They said, oh, I'm fine. And I leaned in and I said, how are you, how are you really doing? They said, horrible. So how did we get from fine to horrible in less than three seconds? It's just I, I, I leaned in and, and just asked the question again. How about this one? What are you learning these days? We're all supposed to be lifelong learners. What's God showing you? What are you learning from his word? What are you learning from life? What's going on in your life? What's going on at home or, or at work or at school? What, 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 what's really going on? And then I love this, this question. I ask it a lot, especially um, when somebody, you know, serves me a meal or, or, you know, waits on me at the bank or gets me my coffee at Starbucks, whatever it might be. If they're not busy, I'll ask this question. Hey, what's your dream? Is your dream to work at Starbucks the rest of your life? I mean, noble profession. People love their caffeine. 
their micro brew and cold brew and frappuccino, you know, they like all that stuff, right? But I leaned in and I asked this one gal, I said, what, 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 what's your dream? It stopped her in her tracks. I said, if you knew you could accomplish anything, what would you accomplish? And she talked and she shared about her dream. Oftentimes, people don't even take the time to ask. Now, what are these questions good for? Well, they'll spark your listening skills if you take time. The second thing is talk less. Wait a minute. I've got to get my ringer out again. Talk less. Talk less. Now, if you're an introvert here, you kind of like this. But if you're an extrovert, type A personality, huh? This is like a challenge. Talk less, but I got stuff to say. <laughs> Talk less, but I got advice to give. I got questions to ask. Jesus asked 307. I've only asked one. I got 306 more to ask you. James 119, be slow to, come on, to, to speak. I, I love what, what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5 2. He says, God is in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Yeah, isn't that great? Let your words be few. Now, you, you, you might want to cut that verse out and stick it on somebody's mirror. No, don't. Don't do that. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Hmm. Extroverts, God bless you. You want to talk, you're bull in a china shop, you know who you are. I resemble that remark, I know. Huh? But James says, hey, don't just push back on people. Don't just, just talk over them. And certainly don't talk over God. Don't debate with him. Don't argue with him. I found this little neat rhyme, and somebody here is probably going to want to write it down. It's from Ogden Nash. To keep your marriage brimming, with love in the loving cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. And whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs> I just thought that was good. They also tell us as they study society that social media has taught us to respond quickly. You know, somebody does something on Facebook, we, we've got to, to Twitter, just go for it, man. Yeah, tell them how you feel. Whoa. You know, get those thumbs working, tell them how you feel, and then you live to regret it. Proverbs tells us, don't talk so much. Living Bible, you keep putting your foot in your mouth, be sensible, and turn off the flow. I did not want to put this in the, in the sermon. Certainly didn't want to put it on a screen. Because I'm reading, I'm going, oh, Bernie, be sensible and turn off the flow. And some of you are going, yeah, sure, let's get the sermon done now, right? Come on. Speak when you are angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. You'll be impressed with yourself because you were so good, so fired up, so caffeinated, so emotional, but you will regret it. I came across this thought-provoking statement recently that someone said, among my most prized possession are the words that I never spoke. The words I never shared. David said it this way in Psalm 19. He said, may the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my righteous God. May the words that come out of my mouth be acceptable. And the last one is calm down. Got to get this out again. Calm down. Yeah. The other day, I'm driving northbound on 8th Street. Have you recognized that drivers today need help? <laughs> now, don't take offense to what I'm about to say. If you take offense, it's your problem. You took it. You should have just left it. <laughs> but let me say this. I had some friends from out of town, and they go, whoa, dude. I said, what? The drivers in Lompoc, they need help. They all pass the limit line. You know what the limit line is? It's that wide line. Some people think their front tires are supposed to end up on it. No, 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 no. The, the, the front bumper is supposed to be behind it when you stop. And a California stop is an oxymoron. No such thing. It's rolled through it. I mean, wow, you know. So I'm driving northbound on 8th Street and over by you know, Toro Bronco right over there with that little bull and the little shrimp that's riding the bull, you know, comes a car darting out, making a right turn, didn't even notice me coming. And I mean, you could feel the wind. My car was moving from the suction from their car turning right. And, and I got up next to them and I just, I wanted to give them a little or at least flash my chaplain badge or something. You know what I mean? I just, I want, I, I didn't do anything, but, and, and I got near them, and, and they would not look my way. You know how it is. They won't even look. You know, I give them a little bip, bip, kind of, kind of, and then they sped away, and I saw people matter to God, Lompoc Foursquare Church. Yeah. They were, in the, they were in the last service. They put their head down like that. Yeah. Do you ever feel anger rising inside yourself? Come on. What's it do to you? It changes your, 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 your chemistry. It changes your perspective. You don't hear like you should hear. You don't recognize what you should recognize. You push wisdom out the door. You ever see some people just get violent? They're not thinking about the consequences or who they're going to hurt. They're just the anger and rage is causing them to do something they might not even normally do. Now, I'm going to show you a video clip because I, I did some research, scientific research. I went to YouTube. <laughs> and I typed in um, anger rising, right? And I typed in um, rage. And I have to tell you, please do not get mad at me. Remember, don't take offense. Why take it? Leave it there. There were more videos about cats than anything else. There's a compilation online. It's like an hour and 45 minutes long of cats getting angry. Now, some of you are going to say, whoa, Pastor B, you don't know my cat. Listen, I was raised with cats. I already did my cat purgatory. I'm done with cats. My brother raised cats. We had enough. He had like alley cats, you know, ones that, that would go out in the night. We wouldn't see them for days sometimes. And they'd come up all, you know, beat up and bruised up, you know. The four-legged cat became the three-legged cat, but they came home. One cat's name was Dinky. I mean, I don't know why it was Dinky. Biggest orange cat you ever saw in your life. And he went out and fought. He'd be gone sometimes for 14 days and 
end up coming back in the driveway. You know, and if you tick Dinky off, you were in trouble. Now, I want to introduce you in a second. To, it's only a 30-second clip, but you have to wait for it. I want to introduce you to a cat named, named Max. And I want you to watch Max. And under the heading of Max is, is, is cats that went angry. That went angry. You're going to see him went. He's going to went in just a moment. So take a look at uh, Maxwell. Here he is. No. If you say, oh. No. I said no, Max. No. You're mean. No. Maxwell. Yeah. yeah. And at the end, you like cats. So, so what's cool about YouTube is people get to comment. Somebody said the woman should have known when Maxwell changed his eyes and his tail stopped moving. One person commented, how dare her call him by his real name? <laughs> now, <laughs> did your mama ever say to you, you know, I, Bernie? She would say, Bernard Robert, come on. First and middle name, official birth name, you know, social security number. I mean, all of it, right? So, so somebody commented and said, oh, she should have known when she called him Maxwell. Yeah. Now, how many expected Maxwell to do what he did? Yeah, see, you know about cats, and you probably don't have them. Yeah. Maxwell was not slow to anger, James 1.19. The translations say, the New International Version, slow to become angry, uh, American Standard, slow to wrath. I love what the voice is. Don't get worked up into a rage so easily. Hold yourself back. Philip's translation says, be slow to lose your temper. Yeah. Now, I think Maxwell needed to, come on. Yeah. By the way, if you, at the end, you really couldn't hear it because you were laughing. At the end, you hear this thud, and I thought it was the camera. It was actually Maxwell's owner. Maxwell jumped on her, and she hit the floor. Yeah. What would you have taken Maxwell after that? Well, anyway... <laughs> Hey, uh, Rick Warren helps us. I, I, I love Rick, and he's, of course, a pastor of Saddleback and an author of uh, Purpose Driven Life, the second best-selling book in human history next to the Bible. And I remember him uh, speaking at a conference many years ago that I attended, and he talked to pastors in the room, and he said, you know, how do you respond to people who push your buttons? Not, not the good buttons who push your buttons. And he shared this acronym, and I thought it might be helpful to you. It's T-H-I-N-K, think before you speak. And I will leave it up. Some people in the last service were taking screenshots with their phones, and other people were writing it down. But, but he, he said, this is what I learned to do. Now, you got to understand, when you pastor you know, one of the top five churches in America, people are going to ridicule you and challenge you. 
When you write a book like he did, people are going to criticize you to no end. He's had death threats on his life. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. And yet he keeps a pretty cool head about him. And I like Rick because he doesn't wear a tie when he preaches. Go, Rick. But he says, is it truthful? If I'm about to speak, am I speaking out of anger or I'm speaking the truth? There's a difference. Because remember what I said, when anger grips your heart, really grips your heart, your ability to rationalize, to have a good perspective, and to be wise goes out the window. Your feelings become the most important thing at that moment. And being heard is very important. So is it truthful? Secondly, is it helpful or will it simply harm the other person? Is it an attack? The third thing is, is it inspirational? Remember Ephesians 4 says that we should speak for the benefit of the hearer or the listener? Does it build them up or does it tear them down? Number, uh, well, the next one, N, is is it necessary? If it's not necessary, why do I need to say it? And the last one is, boy, this this will really help you, is it kind? So before you speak, especially when anger is starting to rise, don't be a Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, be like Jesus who thought before he spoke. Reflect before you react. It'll slow down your anger every time. James 1.20 went on to say, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. What does he mean? Well, it's in your notes. If you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants you to do because your anger takes over. That's why Ephesians 4.32 is good wisdom for us. Let's read it together. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ. Be, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, listening to one another, taking the time to understand someone else. And here's the rule. Grace to us, grace to others. Grace to us, grace to others. This is God's plan for our lives. His name was F.B. Meyer. He was a British Bible teacher, and uh, you can get his commentaries on the New Testament, F.B. Meyer. And he writes in the book of, of, of James, he says, this is something that I've learned in my own life. He talked about how Christ living in us makes all the difference in the moment of temptation, in the moment of anger, in the moment of rage. And so he memorized a real simple prayer. And I think it's one we could learn. He says, when I feel angry, when I want to lash out, I just stop and say, your patience, Lord Jesus. When I get upset and angry and want to lash out, I just say, your kindness, Lord Jesus. Your love, Lord Jesus. Your courage, Lord Jesus. Your wisdom, Lord Jesus. Your joy, Lord Jesus. Your compassion, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, if you live inside of me, and I know you do, but your love, your kindness, and your compassion help me to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There is no secret buzzer or bell, but God will help you as you decide to live out with faith the call that God's put on our life to be ones that listen to others, that are slow to speak, and that are slow to become angry. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 
Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.